The Urban Dictionary defines ass play as stimulating someone's anus with any of the following. Finger. Mouth. Toe. Fists. Hamster. Cell phone. Set to vibrate. Etc. I don't know why I needed to tell you that. Just something you needed to know. Nothing good! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Nothing Good. This is Doc, joined by Mr. Brown, Ooh. Mac, and Jafar to up, my everybody? right. How's everybody doing this fine evening? Well, I'm better now. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. After I mean, all that information. I mean, yeah. I mean, first, last week it was tantric orgasms, and then this week it's ass play. I'm not saying there's a theme here, but I'm learning a lot. Season yeah. two brings a lot of gifts. It does. Yeah. A lot of it knowledge. Does. You're here to learn from us. Your supple, young, fresh minds must then be hardened. And molded by our podcast. I'm just saying, there's a lot that I'm gonna that I can take home from this. Yeah, valuable you know? life lessons. Right. Yeah. I've I've always thought of putting a cell phone up my girlfriend's ass. I just never thought of setting it to vibrate. That's just that's the next level of shit. Now I just fucking know. The internet brings that to you. Yeah. Smart. And the internet brings us make to sure you, charged. sweet listener. Wait, can we combine something for a second? Let's go for so, it. So, um, smart watches, right? You can set your smartwatch to vibrate. What if you fisted her? And also called yourself or the him. same, or him, or him. Yeah, I mean, we're completely open to, to all fisting. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all shapes, sizes, you know, of, of assholes, more are, or are less than the average knuckle count, whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. Two twenty, two twenty-one. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I slipped a Mr. Mom reference in. Oh my god. To a fisting joke in the middle of a Steel Magnolias episode. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. We're that's what our Steel Magnolias is too. Is a real Fuck weird you. Segue. That, is, that yeah. is just um that that's fucking um expert level shit right there. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking of expert level shit, we hope you have enjoyed season 2 of the show so far and we are just trucking along with keeping your fucking ass guessing this season. By the way, just want to reiterate, fuck you. If you haven't heard that recently Wait, you know last episode there was not a single fuck you to no, the audience because the movie street fighter <laughs> is a fuck, you, is to the the fuck you to the audience <laughs> more of a fuck you i could ever get true okay uh, but, but this week we have uh, an interesting topic this is the first thing ever chosen from noah's meat the mystery wheel that we spun and what did it get steel magnolia you spin noah's meat noah's meat will provide mm -hmm. and it'll it provided, spin you love it, it provided us with steel magnolias. You know what's funny about when you when you spun your wheel of meat, Noah? When you, mm -hmm. when you just kind of gave meat your, your, your meat wheel, just like giving me to spin around for all of us? The one thing we said, there's no fucking way it's going to land on steel magnolias. And it did. And it fucking landed on steel magnolias. It's like the monkey's paw. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> choices. Uh, but here we are. Now, before we get into it, we gotta we got to do our thing. Also, by time, because I don't know what we're going to fucking talk about with this movie. But, gentlemen... What are we drinking, Mac? Why don't you say what three or four of us are drinking? Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? It's officially October, and we have entered uh, what they say is the spooky season. Spooky. And what better way to uh, get into the holiday season and get spooky. into the uh, get into the cheer of, uh, of Halloween? But uh, we got some Spooky Tooth uh, Imperial Pumpkin Ale uh, from uh, local Fatheads Brewing. Mm-hmm. Spooky. 
it's very pumpkiny. And Dave's like, you know what? Everyone's getting fucked up. Here's a ten percent beer. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't think about that when I bought it. <laughs> I was just very happy that I, I was contributing beer. You were. So yeah. are we. I so wanted to right. take yeah. this moment to, to raise one uh, to the fact that Mac brought beer. I did. Hey, 51, I did. 57, hey. 8, almost 60 episodes. It took two seasons to it get It took two here, seasons, and Mac finally brought beer to the podcast. God bless you, sir. I've had, like, COVID. I've had, like, a broken leg. It's it's just been hard getting to the store. That was season one. To quote, get over yeah. it. To quote the most quotable part of Ghostbusters 2, better late than never. That's right. And there it is. But Doc, Doc ever the 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 trendsetter, he does not adhere to the status quo, and so he is drinking something different. Doc, what are you drinking? Um, uh, Founders uh, Centennial IPA, uh, oh. which is uh, apparently featuring Centennial hops. For those who give a shit about that sort 100 of thing, hundred year hops. Um, it's good. It's not my cup of tea. First time I've ever had it. It's a of little course not. more. It's a beer. It's more bitter than I'd prefer, mm. but it's all right. It's still in the job. There. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I say something to the ladies, Noah? Oh, please, please. So, this podcast is for the ladies. All right. Hey, girl. What you doing? How's it going? You uh, you slipping into your uh, your your yoga pants and your your flannel and your your vest, getting your pumpkin spice. Mm. If that's not uh, that's not getting you going enough. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, some of the gentlemen too. Herb Jones is wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Oh. You know what that means? The panties are just going to drop. Well, no. Oh, it's not? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. It's, they already did. They already did. It's the most important time of the year. It's JHW, justifiable hoodie weather. Oh, and you live, you live for this. Oh, but, I've been waiting for this shit. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> Superman has his cape, right? Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones has his fedora. Herbert Lawrence Jones III has his hooded sweatshirt. That is that is that is, is the doc uniform. It, it is, is so comfortable. It is so relaxing. It just reminds me of a brisk chill in the air. The leaves are turning. The booze is flowing, and nothing good's happening right here on this podcast no. as we talk <laughs> about surprisingly interesting movie <laughs> still magnolias yeah something I mean, good so yeah, so mark yeah maybe this did not fall into the immediately comedic resource that i thought it would be <laughs> for putting it onto the meat because i knew the movie got sad i didn't realize that the movie spends 95 percent in what i have now coined the bummer zone that when there's sometimes when you have movies and then oh they get to be a bummer but the character has to grow from it the movie settles in with an opening scene that has a seizure in it and settles you into the bummer zone and it never comes out of the bummer zone not once I'm gonna start the the, the review real quick I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pose the question who's your favorite character oh I gotta go wheezy easy 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 wheezy like, baby uh, I I have feelings about a lot of the actresses in this movie better or worse i think daryl hannah's incredible uh not in this movie but in most other things uh we'll talk about the main actress in a little bit when i have drank enough beer to get angry again but shirley mcclain walks into this movie marches marches (laughs) with the most honest big dick energy I've ever seen yes. someone walk onto the movie set with like straight big dick energy and she didn't stop swinging that thing until the last <laughs> scene in the movie like that thing knocked poor key grips and extras over were just concussed by the sheer weight of her big dick energy there's, in this movie there's a lot to be said about Shirley MacLaine in this 
Um, she fucking understood the assignment. She did. Mm-hmm. She really did. I feel bad because I feel like a lot of the rest of the cast didn't, but it's not their fault. And we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that. My favorite character about this is uh, is uh, Drum uh, Eatonton. Is that, is that what we say the last Tom name? Tom Scarrett? Yeah, Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett. Just it's say Tom, Tom Scarrett. Yeah, Tom hair. Scarrett. Way better. I, I... You can say fantastic hair. It's fucking fantastic hair. He does. Yeah. I fucking loved the, 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 the big dick energy he brought to Shirley MacLaine. Yes. Yep. Because the, the dynamic between the two of them, I thought was one of the, the, I think maybe it was the only real dynamic that any of the cast actually had with one another. And, and kind of watching this oh, movie. Yeah, they had a tension immediately when yeah. they're at the cake scene oh. and he walks up to her, you immediately like, okay, the movie shifts into a place that you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, yeah. I could watch these two just like, I could watch Sherman McLean try her absolute hardest not to fucking stab this man. <laughs> and like, all of her be- she's he's holding a knife. She's holding a knife and you said that to her? Bold move, Tom Scarrett. Let's see how it plays yeah. out for him. Oh, he no. likes he likes to eat ass. Yeah, he does. He does. He, that's a, in twenty twenty two, Steve Magnolia comes out and says, "Yeah, I do like to eat ass." And he just walk away. He get, dead dead ass, no cap, for real. And then he <laughs> that's the youngest thing you've ever said. Uh, wait, just wait. Have it, has anyone sidebar? Because I know the only one of us that actively listens to the show once it comes out is Jafar. Uh, and he he watches the show. Jafar, have you been paying attention to any of the bios I've been writing on the uh, the episodes lately? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I have. <laughs> because I know nobody it's a, does. That's a wonderful thing. And God. nobody yeah. does. And so I assume if there's anyone who does, it's Jafar. I've lately just reverted to telling our audience to go fuck themselves in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. It's like it's like it starts uh, be fucked, get fucked, uh, check yourself before you fuck yourself, stuff like that. You ever notice when I. You know, retweet the episode on Twitter. All that shit's gone for a reason. <laughs> the description's gone, and it's interesting because, <laughs> it's like, just every title, time I'm like, this. we're not including this. Our, our downloads have gone up, so it's almost like the audience wants to get fucked wants by you. I mean, everybody kind of, I, I guess, does want to. I mean, some and some, I mean, it works, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I've just, I've just decided that the episode is the content. So all the other fluff that we have to do around it, like the art. Has anyone looked at the art for the second? SummerSlam 1992 episode. <laughs> no one's paid attention to that. <laughs> this is why I operate on check. Jeff, do you want to describe what the what the art is for that? No, because I haven't seen it either. Okay, <laughs> it's uh, art part two. Is an actual English bulldog smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs> My God! <laughs> in front of him, uh, stadium in the Union Jack. Mm, that's any, nudes, any Peru nudes. Per- <laughs> And apparently I'm on the podcast. What the fuck? What the fuck was that? <laughs> What's happening? I was trying to go take a look at the uh, the bulldogs uh, doing crack, and uh, they the, just started playing. The, 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 the end of episode 24 just popped up as I as I did that. <laughs> so talking about Mac has been yeah. drinking, ladies and gentlemen. So four, so four <laughs> minutes, uh, four minutes remaining uh, in uh, the uh, episode of Christmas Story, uh, available in the archives. Available in the archives. Yeah. Uh, you will uh, hear that very line. Uh, uttered by the uh, the one, the only Noah Brown. Yeah, I don't even know idea what I was talking about. I heard some Peruvian maybe nudes. nudes. A lot of nudes. What nudes? Peruvian. Peruvian. Oh, Peruvian nudes. Well, you yeah. know, Peruvian never came back. Nudes or not, so <laughs> Peru. I feel bad about Peru. I was thinking they, about them. They the were other gone day. long before we started me- messing. I, with them. I know, but like I'm looking at it, it's like you know what could have been. What could have you been? You know, I'm not saying it's one of the great like, you know, 
lost opportunities of my life. But I was definitely looking forward to going to Peru and doing the show. Could have been top twenty. It could have been. Yeah. Could have been or yeah. bottom twenty, depending on how you rank the. the or both. Of your I mean, it could have been it's, like somewhere in the seventeen range, but falls it, into both. Technically, mathematically speaking, here's some random math, which I've been inquired to do again, and I will do in a future episode when I haven't been drinking as much. Uh, that if you only have twenty things on your list of what ifs, then they're both the top twenty and the bottom twenty at the same they time, are. and it's fucking Inception. Yeah. <laughs> ah, but okay. Speaking of the Inception, so this was a play. It was uh, it conceived as a play based off... I know the writer wrote it about his own sister, who had a lot of the same Correct. problems that Julia Roberts had in this movie. Yes. So, Yeah, Steel Magnolias uh, is a is a major play yeah. in, in the theater world. Um, you know, this is a... Uh, it's a very female-driven story. Uh, the roles are fantastic for female actors. Um... It is one of those things that, you know, theater companies love to have it because it's an audience driver. You know, when you're doing a lot of community theater, you're going to get a lot of people to come together. You're going to get great performances out of great actors. And uh, it's just one of those things. So naturally, we're going to see if we can carry that momentum into this, the theater and, uh, and and turn this thing around. And a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about as we kind of go into this is the challenges that movies have being adapted from a play and i think that this movie in, in terms of the areas that i struggled with it uh is related to that yeah it was like a, a, a stage play that happened in the set of someone's home kitchen or basically yeah. around someone's house we went off on a tangent again before you said your favorite character oh the two oh, of you. easy wheezy baby yeah uh, she Weezy was fucking where stole every scene. She was fucking in every single time. Just walked through that movie. And, Power walked through that movie. Uh, you know, my wife, you know, watched the movie with me, and she was fucking cackling with all of her one-liners. You know, she'd never seen the movie before. I've been in a bad mood uh, for forty years. I yeah. fucking love that shit. Yeah. Like, every, like, I didn't love this movie. I liked it fine. It was all right. Um, but you know, hold on. So he pushed it out. But let, he push it away. when the wheel was spun. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you briefly touched on this, and I feel like this is going to drive this conversation forward because this is really fucking important to the context of how I viewed this film. I'm like, okay, oh shit, Steel Magnolias. What the fuck am I getting myself into? You know, thankfully I didn't have to fucking pay directly for it because no. it was on Netflix, and I'm still paying for Netflix. But you know what I mean. Um, I approached it first of all, just you know, it has like you know the the description, little you know bullet points, boom, 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 and it said comedy, and I went, oh shit, this is a comedy. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was like full-on drama the whole time. Like, yeah. well, this could be kind of palatable then. I was genuinely surprised with how much comedy is actually in it. Uh, it was surprising amount of funny moments. But it's typically like the same character who's just making me fucking laugh over and over and over yeah. again. Wheezy yeah. just fucking... Shirley MacLaine just fucking kills this thing. It makes the movie so much more enjoyable for me. Because yes. I, I'm like, oh, when she's not in the scene, I'm like, ah, it's, you know, whatever. The story's progressing. Is, yeah. As soon as she shows, I'm like, all right, what the fuck is she going to say this time? Yeah. I, fucking, I was like, Storm's ready for in. it. Storm's she fucking in. Storm, and like, she's kicks in the door to the set. To and every fucking scene, yeah. I fucking love it. Like, the big dick energy, she 100% has 100%. the entire time. Yeah. But the thing was, like, I was so not ready for that type of film. No. I wasn't ready to chuckle at all. Like, I was ready to be like, all right, let's see what the fuck we're going. But honestly... I'm glad I watched it. Was this the first time you ever saw it? I'd never seen anything. I knew nothing about this film outside of Dave w telling me last week that it was based on a plane. I'm like, all right, well, there's something there. But beyond that, I knew nothing about this film. But I was you just heard about it. Pleasantly the years. surprised with how yeah, enjoyable it was on the back end. 
of the film. Uh, but yeah, Wheezy's, Wheezy's is fucking shit. Well, I, I think you mentioned something important there too, Jones, is that it transitions, I think, into a movie in the third act. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that a lot of this still kind of follows the pacing of a play through much of the movie until we get to the incident where shit gets serious. Yo, like, it's yeah. real, gets real. And uh, when, when that happens, I notice a lot of the actors becoming, like, shifting from being a theater actor doing a movie to being a movie actor doing a movie. playing it a little bit more real. Yeah. Yeah, a little more grounded. Um, and again, I'll go back to Tom Skerritt on this, because for a lot of the movie, he's the clown. He yeah. is. You know, he's, he's an overtly non-serious character... Um, he's comedic relief. He's done a whole lot of outrageous things throughout until you get to the hospital. And then it's stoic. It's fuck. It's, it's the Tom skirt we see in other movies. Yeah. You know, you just kind of see how the tenor just changes in that where I, and I was surprised because I wasn't in watching the movie. I wasn't sure we we're going to get there. No, I wasn't sure it was ever going to really get there. And then yeah, it and did. if you look at the whole scheme of the movie, I mean, it's a movie about, five or six women and their experiences and their friendship and they make guys out to look like idiots yes uh so you feel that through his character until he gets serious later on for me my favorite character was also shirley mcclain because she's know. the most relatable because oh we're all assholes yeah, she, absolutely yeah. she's uh, fantastic but aside from that fucking dolly parton is a national she, treasure she man. was great her she, one line was also good. So first of all good. dolly parton she's so good it just i'm gonna call my own perceived stereotype or even like re- reluctant bigotry or whatever you want to call it in mind. It's come because we are from the northeast of the United States of America, right? In the last part of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century, and there is not much more that is from a different world that we that is still within arm's reach than that 70s country western big hair, howdy y'all, stereotypical southerner kind of a thing that just seems like it's a whole nother world. And 99 times out of 100, anything comes out of that, you're just like, Beth, I don't know, not big into the Judds or any of that whole deal. But Dolly Parton defies all expectations, even in my brain, as to, oh, she's just going to southern girl all of this, because she is a, as you said, a fucking national treasure. Yeah, and part she's of a it sweet too person is- who does sweet things, yeah. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is so the movie takes place in Louisiana, and we, as the audience, know that none of these actors have a real real Southern accent, mm-hmm. except for Dolly Parton. Like, right. that's just yeah. fucking her. She's, yeah. <laughs> and, like, some of them, it's like, man, they're really going over the top with this. And it, like, it settles down as the movie goes on, but in the early, in the early few minutes, it's like, man, they're putting that shit on thick i yeah. I, I like it the, hannah especially yeah <clears throat> yeah well i like at the end of the movie when with, with sally field when she just inadvertently in the middle of delivering a line just lost her accent yeah oh yeah she goes after the oh yeah after after um uh the funeral too yeah. when she's doing her monologue that's mm-hmm. just going back oh and yeah forth. oh damn it robin williams i don't understand <laughs> so, is this an appropriate time to do it or do you want me to wait table it for just table a second. it got yeah. it all right, so talking about Dolly Parton, goddamn national treasure. Absolutely. Right? Part of the thing I fucking love about Dolly Parton in this, right? So one of the things I'll talk about is the horrible directing in oh, this yeah. movie. These actors had nothing to go on, and I think for a lot of the movie it shows. Uh, but after a poor take, the director, Herbert Ross, reprimanded Dolly Parton. Because I guess he didn't like what he was getting from her. 
and asked her if she could act. She can. Very he much fucking so. asked Dolly Parton. What arrogance do you have? First off, as a director, the leader of this whole thing, the steward of the ship. What a great way to inspire your crew and by your cast insulting the by just insulting treasure. a national treasure. <laughs> and her response was, no, but it's your job to make me look like I can. Ooh. Fucking love Dolly Parton, man. Mic drop, Dolly. Love Dolly drop. Parton. Speaking of Dolly Parton, uh, I know the three people who are sitting at this table are following me on social media. My mom p- posted a picture yesterday of me and my brothers as children. I was probably three or four years old. Look at this shit. Sorry, audience, you can't see it. Oh my That's God. me and my brothers all rocking matching Dollywood t-shirts. Oh, listen, oh my God. Listen, so sorry. That's, that's going on. Picture. Well, listen, audience, you're not seeing it right now, but if you go to our Twitter and you go to our Facebook and you go to our that Instagram accounts and everything, incredible. you are going to see that photo. See, see, it's interesting because we, the three of us were born and raised in this state, so the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for anyone who doesn't live in the United States or doesn't even live in this region, as I constantly describe, it is the, the southernmost place of the north of the United States and the northernmost place of the south. But you can definitively call yourself Appalachian, Appalachian, if yeah. you're not from Appalachia, or Northeast. But what you definitely don't call Pittsburgh is Midwest. And no. the Ohio man here, born <laughs> and raised, full was on Midwest. full on Midwest, yeah. where Dolly is the queen of the world. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's That's amazing how anything anything west of the Pennsylvania, like we get offended if you say Pittsburgh's in the Midwest. No, like, oh, yeah. no. oh no, yeah. oh no, we're not. We're we're in the Northeast. We're part, yeah. we're part of the trashy Northeast original thirteen. That's like, right. I got it wrong, and we never planned that anything wider than a single horse would ever have to drive down a road. And half of them are fucking one way for some reason. Because fuck you, and goddamn it, we get upset if you take your French fries off of the fucking sandwich. But Midwest, that's what we draw. Well, the don't line. forget that not only have we taken our one lane roads, made them all one way, we've also taken the four lane roads and made them two lanes because now everything has a bike lane. Yep. Which, I mean, good for you for the 14 people in the city of Pittsburgh that yeah, own a bicycle not, and want to use not, it. Because you are tempting death every time because the rest <laughs> of the drivers at Pittsburgh they don't give, give a zero fuck. fucks. No, no fucks. We have uh, intersections here that you have 38 feet going 70 miles an hour to get across six lanes of traffic on a bridge over water or everyone dies. Before a tunnel. <laughs> before a fucking tunnel. And before a tunnel. And somehow, despite all that, life goes on in a city. No, there, there, there are less of people. There are no the accidents in that fucking interchange. You because notice that? Everyone suddenly <laughs> learns to drive, and then as soon as they get out of the tunnel, they fucking hit a guy on a bicycle and keep driving. Because <laughs> yeah. they got a Treader's tea in one hand and an Iron City Light in the other. Donnie Iris is on the radio, and the Steeler game is on in 10 minutes. That's Wow. Are you car- are you shooting off fireworks while you're doing it? Because that would that would just cause the entire city to come. Yeah. Only if they're Zambelli. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Got to be yeah. Zambelli fireworks. Yeah, a city that is so fucking proud of their fireworks. If you have anything but Zambelli, they're gonna look at that's you like you cheap fuck. Yeah, like that. It's like buying anything that's not Heinz ketchup. Yeah, <laughs> just don't do it. <sighs> okay, so while I'm on a concept of ranting, because I also don't want this episode to go too long, I just want to mention, and I'm 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 too calm for this, so it's not gonna be too funny. But I fucking hate Sally Field. Uh, and let me explain to you why I fucking hate Sally Field because she was so mean 
to Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. And I am the exact appropriate age and uh, mental uh, spongeness to have thought that everything Robin Williams did was the funniest thing ever. And that's the kind of person I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, and then for Sally Field to just be so mean to him. So, wow, she was a heel in that movie. She was the heel in that movie. And she did it very well to the point where I cannot watch a Sally Field movie without hearing her screaming at Robin Williams for just being a good dad. And it's more fucking choker. So, and this movie was no different. The fact of the matter that we got to see Sally Field's head, I counted it five times, the back of her head, because the director didn't bother to shoot her face when she was pretending to be sad. So they just had her turn her head and have her hands on her head like, oh, that, oh, we all know women, that means she's sad and doesn't want to talk about it. Well, Julia Roberts is falling around a fucking house. And let me segue this to my main problem with the direction of this movie. And it's that most of the scenes in this movie are characters A, uh, characters A, B, and C are sitting around. Character D walks into the movie, walks across the room. Character B walks over to character D. They talk. Character B returns. Character D gets upset and follows character B back over. A and C make quick marks and drive the story. That's it. Wait. All Olympia Dukakis did was walk into a room, say some shit to set off Shirley, <laughs> Shirley MacLaine, <laughs> yeah, right. and, then, and then tell Shirley MacLaine, you gotta be less camaraderie. So, yeah. so if anybody's listening to this podcast uh, that's about to direct this play, and if you are, what the fuck's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, really? This is how you're doing your research? It, you uh, can still Noah, do the, the Man of La Mancha, right? Like, I mean, that's still a thing you can yeah, do. Okay, yeah. You can. You can still get out of this. Um, <laughs> Noah just blocked the entire first, like, the first act of this play. You're so welcome. just rewind that. Play that back in slow motion. Take a few notes. You're gold. That's it. That's, That's all it. you got to do. Yeah. yeah. Can to, we... go, to go back to your hatred for Sally Field for a mm-hmm. second, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you brought this up multiple times over the years of our friendship and probably multiple oh, yeah. times on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Fuck that bitch. I didn't really have a problem with Sally Field until the scene where Julia Roberts has the seizure like yes. 10 minutes in yeah, and then I immediately was like that bitch from Miss Doubtfire she's like no get away from me I she's like no I'm not drink the fucking juice <laughs> she's, like, she's like looking at her and she's like you stupid bitch take the juice I, no it's okay shh shh, and I was, shh you're stupid the whole time I'm just thinking fucking Noah ruined me on this <laughs> she's terrible he's just back here saying Oh, fucking Sally Field. I, Mrs. Doubtfire. I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that either. I thought she like calm, She stayed calm in the situation, didn't panic. Yeah. She, she was somehow, being a mom. She managed to be a mom while somehow being completely condescending to the lady having the Caesar. She She's definitely like, was. No, 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 no. There she is. Now she's starting to make sense. Like, oh, yes, the 80s medical term, and you're a medical man, of insulting your patient as they recover her consciousness in front of you to let them know that what they must have done some stupid shit. And oh, by the way, it's my, my well, genetics fault that you have yeah, the diabetes. And, and Julia Roberts is like, if I would run away, I could. And she's like, yeah, I'd like to see you fucking try. Yeah. So, so well, I think that, and, and, well, and bear that with me on this one, I think that That's I, what she said. I try to look at this like, what, what the, what's the context of the relationship, right? This is a controlling mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically, controlling parents always view, view their children as children, as little ones. And she spoke to her like she was four years old, five years old. She did. And to be fair, though, Julia Roberts and her her shock moment, her seizure, was speaking like a four-year-old. Her entire logic center was gone. She was talking like someone who wasn't thinking her thoughts through. And in kind, because that's the relationship they have, the mother responded in kind. Mm -hmm. And after the fact, she apologized because she realized she was being a dick to her mom because she wasn't in her right mind. I think I've seen enough of those situations play out where 
I did feel like it was a little condescending, sure. Oh, absolutely. The tone was not needed, but I think it's a mixture of a southern accent, a poor southern accent, uh, and a very uncomfortable scene that, well, it I didn't really see coming. It really was uncomfortable. No, it, it absolutely, like, it's, it was and, super uncomfortable. And it's effective it in that back. regard, yeah. too, because it you're, was like, really uh, jarring. you're like, oh, yeah. it's just a bunch of ladies around the hairdressing, and now she is freaking out, and you're just... By just up sitting back further in your chair. Yeah, it, it was yeah. super. It was a great scene because yeah. it took you out of. Oh, this is you know they're just talking shit. Yeah. One of those just southern gals just. It was early a good time. enough in the movie that I was eating when I started watching the movie, but I did not take a bite the entire time the Caesar scene was going on. Well, you can't eat like the shit's serious. You can yeah, you're fucking like die right there. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, take you through my thought process as as I'm watching the scene unfold. Right, uh, I had uh, I had not I have not seen the play. Uh, as as an actor that does a lot of stage stuff, I'm a terrible person when it comes to actually. Highly enough, I thought you'd seen it before. Oh no, I hadn't. I just know a lot about it. Um, Did you see the movie? No, I, no. This is the first my first exposure ah, cool. to this. Cool. I know. I knew of the play. I knew of some of the events that happened to it. I knew the general premise. Uh, but as a, as somebody who does acting on stage, I'm a terrible fucking like student of actual <laughs> like other theater. You know. So, but again, that's kind of good because I don't have a lot of preconceptions if I do a role of like other people that have done it, right? But anyway, uh, I'm watching the scene and everything, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, shit, here's late 80s, early 90s wedding hair, which yeah. fucking Google that and you'll just, you'll get, you'll get the you'll idea. Know. You don't even have to you'll see know. the movie, but you know, you've got that image in your head. And I thought to myself at first when like I'm watching this, she looked at her hair and fucking hated it. And I thought that the seizure was not a seizure. I thought it started as somebody who like was expecting it was just A. Rage. I thought she was expecting A, <laughs> and that was getting B. But like also, again, my progression through the scene is that as they're talking about the marriage right before this, they're talking about how she told him, she told her fiance, that she didn't want to get married, and they're like. <gasps> You told him you didn't want to get married. Oh yeah, we've worked it out though since then, right? So then I, I started yeah, to think no context no. no until after. But I started to think here when she started to change. Was she having second thoughts about the wedding? And then was she just really fucking pissed off about her hair? And then it was oh shit no she's having a full fucking help like like a, an blood episode sugar's her blood sugars because you you don't have any clue at this point that she that she is uh, diabetic uh, at this point in time. Say so she's just go through a whole thing. Yeah. So um, which I mean I've I've never witnessed somebody have a an episode with insulin. Uh, Jones, I don't know. I mean you're the more mm. the medical person here than I am. Mm. I have seen people have seizures. Mm. And that reminded me more of an epileptic seizure than it did necessarily of a diabetic episode. But I've never seen one, so I don't know if those things kind of lined up. But it was really a, it was really a, in that short window because really to this point in the time too, ladies and gentlemen, the movie is the typical first twenty pages of a play. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of dialogue. People are moving around. There's a couple things going on on the side to try to break up the monotony of what's going on, and you're laughing a little bit. And this is really one of the first grounding moments in the play that takes you out of the hubbub of what the play is. And, oh, shit, there's something going on here. Good point. Good point. Uh... <laughs> but, yeah, Jones, is that is that something that happens? Did they kind of get that right? Do you, so, do you have an idea? Oh, it's, I've, so the, I've seen only a handful of that type of uh, seizure, that crash happening 
and it can take a couple different forms. Uh, and but typically it's pretty close. I mean, so in, insulin shock and a diabetic seizure are like two st- steps away from each other in that way. And it's weird because when I was younger, I had a lot of blood sugar issues. And when my sugar would bottom out, I would just get white as a ghost. And like it's it's pass out time. Yep. But there were there's a girl I went to high school with and middle school with that would have a very I would almost describe it as a, a seizure in the top half. Whereas a lot of people we've we've had friends of ours that have epilepsy and yep. it's, a, it's a full thing that happens and it's a it's a full deal. But the upper half you could be sitting still, you know, and it's almost you know it looks like someone starts with a tick or they're just being upset about something and then it goes into a whole thing. A lot less sweaty, but it was also Julia Roberts young. Julia yeah, Roberts. Relatively so. unknown. That she's, was a pretty pretty woman. She's 20. So this movie came out in 1989, which means they shot it sometime probably in like 1988 or maybe 1987 because this was all film. Um, so she was at least, she was 20 or 21 making this. And that fucking woman is drinking the blood of the innocent because she has not aged. Sure. Like, like a day, like in nineteen, like looking at her in nineteen eighty nine, and looking at her in like two thousand fifteen, yeah, I don't what, see that 50s, she's right? now. But yeah. like in a forty year, like from a twenty year stretch, I don't think she aged at all. What I want to bring up that I did not bring up on our episode a couple ways back doing Street Fighter, right? Was when we talked about how Ming Na Wen uh, drinks the blood of the innocent and does not age. I really uh, want Mount Lebanon's Ming Na Wen. No, yes, of course, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, keep yeah, claiming it. Yeah, that's the I one we're talking. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, great. Uh, that she, I did not mention that we never called to the fact that that was that scene in which Bison visited her village and it was Tuesday was fucking Mulan versus Gomez Adams in a fight scene. <laughs> yeah. like, how crazy are movies? <laughs> I like right? it in that respect too. But I would say Ming Na Wen is like almost like naturally and like encapsulated in time. Like someone just hit the pause button on her. Because she didn't have the Julia Roberts money to chase that physical end. Julia Roberts, here's the thing, and I will say this as respectfully as I possibly can, because she, I do believe she is aged, but not in the face. I think if you look, she has like Rene Russo head, where as the years have gone on, the vertical height of her skull has gotten higher. So we're now watch her in the movie that she's got. What, what's the preview that she's got coming out with George Clooney? Some movie coming out this fall. Her face is like one and a half times the height <laughs> of George Clooney. They uh, don't. Ch- they just say that the secret was if you add on to the top, no one will notice what's at the bottom. So fun fact about Street Fighter. Since we're on that subject, uh, for as critically acclaimed as Steel Magnolias is. It made thirty million less than Street Fighter. Boom! Now is that internationally, domestically? What are we looking internationally. at? Internationally. Well, then fuck. Who gives a shit? No. The Apparently, movie, thirty million dollars. I'm talking about domestically. More matter. in the South, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is Steel Magnolias the movie critically acclaimed though? I have no would, idea. Would we? Would we I, I believe it is. I mean, Julia Roberts did get nominated for Best Supporting Actress for the Oscar. She Sally won the Field won a Golden Globe. Uh, <laughs> uh, did Julia Roberts win a Golden Globe? No, we feel like that's Golden Globe. It was just Sally Field. Fuck the Golden Globe. Fuck the Golden Globe. Listen, that's why I shoot that gig every chance I get. The second most important film award 
at least until 2017. You mean behind the BAFTAs or the Director's Guild Awards or the Screen Actors Guild Award? Inside Baseball. The MTV fucking movie awards got more weight. Ricky Gervais wouldn't fucking like drop down to the level of the MTV Video Music Awards, all right? You fucking shut your horn. We have a different opinion of what Ricky Gervais would drop down to the level of doing. Because I'm pretty sure I just watched a movie that was a kid's remake of Blazing Saddles called Pause of Fury. And Ricky Gervais basically plays Hedley Lamar's role, Hedy Lamar in that movie. And so it tells me that. And yes, break that down. There is a kids version I, of Blazing I, I Saddles. Break that down as you uh, said. That. My brain that, shut off. That stars yeah, Michael yeah. Cera and Samuel Jackson as your Pause uh, of Fury. At, yes, Pause of Fury. Uh, so I'm pretty sure the idea that Ricky Gervais is this top level heady comedian who will not accept lesser work because he has fucking standards. Pause of for- Fury begs to fucking differ. You fucking <laughs> schmuck. Fuck you. Well, Pause, yeah, sure. Pause so, of Fury anyways. might get nominated for a Golden Globe this it year. It probably yeah. would. Best and animated no feature. Yeah. Best animated feature. <laughs> but yeah, so Steel Magnolias made $136 million. Uh, budget was only $15 million, which wasn't even the cocaine budget on Street no. Fighter. Do we have the cocaine <laughs> budget for Steel Magnolias? <laughs> I mean, just, on paper? just for Shirley MacLaine alone. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's had to be a pretty a good... energy sheep rot. See, no, she's not a... Co- that doesn't come off as cocaine to me. This that comes off to me like she does a half a shot of shark that's testosterone. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack Daniels and shark testosterone right into one labia. Not both of them. Just one side of... And fucking marches in there and tries not to uppercut. Olivia Dukakis how do you get that, you get that job on set <laughs> to be the one that shoots shark testosterone <laughs> come on get it out and the one that sh- go ahead God, wrap your head around that one what did you just say yeah. you guys thought this yeah. episode wouldn't be funny <laughs> the one who shot shark testosterone into Shirley MacLaine's labia that's a film credit on your IMDB page there you go oh my god do you wear goggles when you do that? Uh, or you, you, just, better, you know, there's got, there's got to be some safety precautions, right? Yeah, there's some, some safety splash. precautions. You got to be careful. Some safety measures have to be taken, right? Then do you do it to hurt stunt double too? I mean, you have to. That's just, that's just guild. That's just union stuff, right there. Yeah, the cocaine went to the Saint Bernard that was malting. <laughs> so, regardless of uh, of not only Tom Skerritt and and uh, first of all, can we all just say Dukakis? Man, I wrote uh, Dukakis. LOL. <laughs> Dukakis. Du- Dukak. <laughs> I love that last name. Dukakis. It's like Dukakis, Bukakis, and Cock all at the same oh time. Right. Buk- Olympia Bukakis. <laughs> <laughs> this is highbrow podcasting. <laughs> you, you know, isn't it great when you're not sure where the episode's going to go and no. it just takes you somewhere? <laughs> you so, so I'm like, what are we gonna, before we roll, we're like, what are we going to talk about? This movie's so serious. 38 minutes later, Olympia Bukakis. Olympia Bukakis. <laughs> we found it, guys. We found it. Shooting shark into Shirley Plains Labia. You make sure oh, to tell your mom staying on brand. that we say Olympia Bukakis. So, uh, uh, you we're know, either going to get a whole group of female listeners that are into this or we're going to lose a whole group of female well, listeners. Well, they may appreciate. I hope I so. I think they will. Maybe. Uh, you know about the the shark testosterone of the labia, but maybe they'll appreciate that too. I mean, hey, science, <laughs> science, yeah, doing science. whatever it takes to win. Um, <laughs> Shirley McLean wants to be the best. But like <laughs> when you guys were watching it, and they're like, they're all talking, like all the females are talking. Like, did you ever like sit back and be like, 
I wonder what our wives talk about. Because we talk about dick jokes and bukakis. <laughs> oh, they just I, shit talk us. I, <laughs> I still, I still kind of, I, I still try to put forth the idea to the to the four women in our lives to have the nothing good takeover episode where they just they just do we give them a topic and and they just do an episode and we just see what happens. It doesn't have to air. I'm just kind of curious. Well. I also like to mix my pleasure with my pain. So the idea <laughs> of that might appeal, but I feel like we have to make it like into a full on like podcasting cuck situation while we're all locked in like a clear box. <laughs> <laughs> you just described our women doing the fucking podcast in the middle of the elimination chamber. Yes. Well, we're all fucking watch, unable, and we're just there for their amusement. There's nowhere for us to hide. They're just like looking over. Look at these fucks. They think they're funny. They think they're sexy. Uh, that would be there you go like the elimination chamber that is hilarious oh listen i guys i know we have like some important poignant shit to say about the social roles examined in this film and like i don't have anything to say about that and i where are you going with this Noah? because i'm saying that we can talk about Julia Roberts and the unfortunate fate and the, the idea of like what is motherhood and women's roles in the 80s. I do have a question. Yes. And it's a really good one. I really, I, and I thought about this a lot. I did not, my wife watched this with me. I didn't pose it to her. So I wanted to pose it to you guys uh, first. Uh, we all watched it. We all had, I'm sure, you know, watching like the death scenes and laying in the hospital, that brings up emotions, thoughts, feelings, you know, stuff that maybe associate or maybe not associated with life. But very specifically, I thought was really interesting where Julie Roberts was it Shelby? Mm-hmm. Shelby, yeah, yeah. Shelby, Shelby, Shelby's pregnant. Tells her mom, "Mom ain't happy because she understands she's pissed the, because the, the, the gravity yeah. of this." She's like, "You need to listen to the fucking doctor." Here's my question: yeah. I'm not a parent. Max not a parent, but you two are. But I'm gonna ask Mac too. How would you react? Now, obviously, uh, Tom Skerritt, he's like, "Hey, this is awesome." I don't. I feel like he wasn't really thinking this shit through. No, Tom Scarrow is kind of like just basically... He's very cavalier about this well, shit. Well, I mean, also, yeah. though, too, I think he... I know I'm trying to be uh, political in any stretch, but I think he is almost an indictment of that prototypical... How men in that time see themselves. We've talked in previous podcasts that 80s men saw themselves as manly men doing manly things in the most manliest way possible. So the fact that he's a fucking horn dog flopping around the South doing whatever he wants and no one really cares because, oh, that's just Tom Scarrow. birds. Right, shooting, yeah, doing well, that thing. That's, that's kind of like that... that it, Oh, his daughter's married. If she wasn't married, he'd be chasing uh, uh, Dylan McDermott around with a shotgun. But they are, so so he's fine. Here's my question. Seriously, think about it for a moment. How would you react? You both have little girls. Yeah. And they're in the same fucking situation. All parties understand the gravity of this. And they came to you and said, hey, Pop, yo, it's happening. Would you be like, what the fuck? Or would you go, hey, that's awesome news, even though you know. Hmm. How I, I, this is a serious fucking question, but it's a really good question. Yeah, I think I think I'd be very conflicted yeah. because yeah, at one point you're way. like, "This is awesome," you know, you're you've, you're procreating life, you're giving your life for that life, but it, like knowing all the medical stuff, you're like, the risk is so high. Yeah, exceptionally. Yeah, it's and a- and there were certain points in the movie, and at when we spun the wheel a few weeks ago, I never would I thought that. Noah's meat would make me emotional, but like <laughs> yeah. there were certain we points are. in this movie. There's like, been a couple of times. At, Dave's had to listen to a couple of phone calls. Yeah. Herb too. Of women who are like <laughs> that meat. 
changed my life. I just yeah. want him to tell me he loves me. But especially <laughs> and me like, will not say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. You set it up. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Emotional things about our daughters. Uh, especially as a as a parent, you're like it, it hits you a little harder because you're like that kid's gonna grow up without one. And it, it <clears throat> there were certain points where I was like, Jesus Christ, like this is way deeper than. Can't thought. we just watch a shitty '80s action movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there, you, you and there are a lot of them. We still can. Been Double Dragon. So you'd be conflicted. Could have been. I definitely would what about be. You? No, one hundred percent. I agree because it's there's no right or wrong answer in that question because just the kind of I, I hate to have anything in common with Sally Field either, but it she, uh, ever that she does, but it's it's a journey she goes on. The realization, the same way I had when you asked that question, because I you obviously you want to do everything you can to keep your your little girl safe like period anything it's like there's there's no amount of sacrifice that can't be made to keep them safe in the same respect too you are aware of the joy that she brings you right and Mm -hmm. how dare i deny her even a split second of the same joy i got the moment i saw her right so there's that but knowing that it would be short-lived would make it bittersweet but i think ultimately Ultimately, I I would rather me or anyone in my life be happy than right any day. And so so the idea that if it's happiness is hard to come by. Period. It is. It is. I I when we're teaching our daughter, I'm constantly faced with the decision do I want her to be successful or happy? And it's a lot easier to be successful than it is to be truly happy. Mental health is a real thing. So at the end of the day, uh, if she Here's the other thing too. You got to trust the person that you raised. You have set up an entire person's life so that they make good decisions. And yeah. if their decision, that person with their brain that I help make, uh, determines to do that, then who am I to fucking stand in the way? I'll just be happy when I get to be happy and miserable when I get to be miserable. Um, you just take it. Life's the ride, man. Right? The, it, that's what it is. It isn't the destination. It's the ride. So and sometimes right has ups and ups and downs. Well, yeah, the destination's well death. Yeah, so I don't want that destination, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's yeah. this juxtaposition between joy and pain, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like I hope that I raise my daughters to make smart decisions, but make the right decisions for them, not necessarily for me. Exactly. You know what I mean? God. What about you? Damn you! How I just got fucking emotionally philosophical <laughs> in the middle of nothing good about Steel Magnolias. We just said some real shit. Well, there, was just, no, there was like four yeah, minutes without a yeah, dick joke. It's weird. Because the movie really questions a lot of things. It does. It, does. it makes you think about a lot. Matt, so, how do you feel? Yeah, we, we've really done a 180 from talking about uh, shark testosterone and the labias. because I'm on the show. You, guys, push this you shit sit there and you go the ahead job. and ask the two fathers of daughters how they would feel if their daughters That's had to the make this decision. That's the first thing I thought of. Like, I'm, like, I'm watching this and I'm like, these two motherfuckers. I, was I would about assume be thinking the same thing. Uh, how do you not think about it? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I didn't think about it at all. Does it make you a terrible person? No, Wait. because you. I wouldn't have thought about it until that is the life and the until realization. Until you've experienced right? it and you're yeah. in it every day. So I look at this I look at this through the prism of the story um because as as we're coming up here uh ladies and gentlemen i uh i misread the assignment when we were getting ready to record <laughs> this podcast i thought steel magnolias was being recorded at a later date so i i had to i had to kind of push a little bit to get the movie in um 
much to the delight of of Jeff, oh. Noah, and, and Herb earlier. <laughs> he doesn't like, wa- play the games we're gonna play, and he, so, and sometimes I don't think he's gonna watch the movie. And he always comes armed. But now we have evidence that he literally was finishing the movie as he walking up to my house. <laughs> so so <It's> impressive. <laughs> so the joke, ladies and gentlemen, on these guys is that I was watching the movie as we walked up to the front door. I did finish the movie before. I was re-watching something because of something I noticed from earlier in the movie mm. that paid off in the end. And that's ah. actually what I was doing when I was walking up the stairs. You had to revamp. I was, I was listening to it on the car ride over because I wanted to make sure I got this. Um, because as a lot of the dialogue is going on in this movie, and it is, it's talk, 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 it talk, dialogue talk. Heavy, as a play, heavy. As a play is, okay? Uh, which is why a lot of times plays don't always make good movies. Um, there are things that you miss because I mean, look, guys, be honest. How many times did you watch Theo Magnolias? Just one for this for, for this for this prep. Just yeah. one, one. Okay. Okay. once yeah. was enough. Right, but because it's talk, 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 you kind of miss some of the things that they're Probably set that they're the set too. that they set up. So I kind of went back to the first act, right to the wedding, and listening to Sally Field and Julia Roberts talk to each other, mother and daughter, and everything. When she's talking to her daughter. And she says, you're going to make the right decisions with this. And she even says to Jackson, you know, um, Dylan McDermott, same thing. Handsome as always. You know, you guys, because she's basically saying to them, you young fucking horn dogs, don't fuck this up with each other because your dick will kill her if you get her pregnant. And she's like, I'm giving you my daughter don't fuck this up so we we get that established right at the end of the first act right at the point of the wedding they even put the whole fucking car decorated in condoms right to further hammer home the fact that if you're gonna if you're gonna stick it you better cover it up and wrap that shit before america does not go into a battle without his shield he doesn't no he doesn't neither should dylan mcdermott on a cold night in 1989 where was where was sally field popping up when Dylan McDermott was laying down in the bed saying, if you fucking lose this thing again, I swear to God, I'm going to keep it with a condom before he fucks, you know, his, her daughter. We needed that in Endgame in this movie, but we didn't get it. All right. Loose connection. So what was I, the answer I to my question? <laughs> we went off. I mean, yeah. goddamn. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, See the pan shot at the end of Endgame as we go down. Like, where, 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 where are we going? Then, right next to Cap comes Dylan McDermott holding a, a flopping condom. And he goes, Assemble. <laughs> and then everyone charges. That's what well, I'm seeing. They both end. In the, they right both now. end in the. There's fu- the dick jokes. They yeah. both end in a funeral. Yeah, they do. They do. Like, no, but um, there there are bummer. There are decisions that are made in this movie that I don't always necessarily think are Julia Roberts. I think that there is pressure from her, from her husband, to have a family, I and mean, they they kind of allude uh, to this. So, you know, in, in terms of the, the question, um, which at this point I, I've kind of forgotten a little bit where we were going with it because I kind of lost, uh, I went on a, a tangent there, as I do. How I, would you react? Um, I, it, would, it would be heartbreaking for me because of the, the loss of your child. You know, the, because here's the other thing too, right? Shelby is very young at this point. You know, and, and I don't know exactly how much time has lapsed from, I mean, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking Shelby's only 24 or 25 years old at the time that all this is happening. Yeah. Um, 
And through all of it, as disappointed as Sally Field is, she still gives her her fucking kidney. When her daughter, when when the when the pregnancy puts such damage on her kidneys, and she's been on dialysis, and she was going with her the whole time, and they had this whole conversation and came up with this decision to do this, and that's very close to me because I have a couple members of my family that did that. Uh, my cousin uh, was in desperate need of a kidney transplant, and his brother's wife gave her gave him one of hers. So you know, it 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 hit home to me in that capacity of what that means, and then the life you hope that person can live as a result of doing that. Um, it was difficult for me uh, because I don't necessarily know entirely too that the decision was her own. And I think that's the part of it that I had trouble with. Hmm. I can tell you right now, I, I totally empathize with Sally Field. I feel like I would not react well yeah. to that information. I, I think that eventually I'd come around yeah. because it's, it's, fuck, it's too late now. You know, you still got to love your kid, but that's still your kid. And no parents should have to bury their child. Mm, like yeah. that, that I kept thinking about. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. And she said it when she breaks down at the end. It's like it should have been yeah, me first. She, I should have gone first, and yeah. and she should have. And uh, I think, even though the scene was it was super fucking intense, and I'm like, oh, Sally, feel you're being you're being like a dick. But I'm like the whole time I'm going, I'm pretty sure I'd have a very similar reaction. I have no kids of my own, but I feel really confident. Like no. yo, yo, I held you, I I cradled you, I fed you, I wiped your ass. You ain't going anywhere anytime soon. This was a very selfish decision, but it's her decision to make. I think that's ultimately, a, a, I mean, not to get real again, and I promise this is probably the last time I try to do it, but that's ultimately the entire problem of parenting. Yeah. It's the idea of, uh, of of being so responsible for somebody's life, but eventually having to put them in a position that you have to let go. Because at some point they cross the threshold that if they never let, if you never let go and they never make decisions on their own, then you have failed. You haven't succeeded. You've failed. Mm. Uh, because at some point we want to make our own decisions independent of our parents. And that's a struggle. Every yeah, at some point you have to pass ownership. Them. Yeah. And it's and of their fate. Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to eat your broccoli when you're her, when she's an adult and she knows the risks of her own life and wants to have a family and it's like you want to pull the pin and hold the grenade and see how long you can hold it with your arms stuck out some people will make it some people won't yeah because i mean if you look at it like all the times that julia roberts was being a bitch to sally field like oh yeah after she's gone like you would love to have those moments oh, back. 100%. Like, call me a bitch all day. Yeah. As long as you're here yeah. to tell me to go <laughs> yes. fuck myself, yes. you're at least here. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That being said, here we go. End of the serious thing. If you had to deal with Sally Field every day of your life growing up, you would relish every opportunity to tell her to go fuck herself. I would be a dick every day. Like, hey, honey, wake up from school. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> you just go. And you fuck yourself right off. I made you ace. I made you ace. I would be so mean. Just because she fucking deserves it. Meanwhile, Dad, Robin Williams, awesome dude. Um, yeah. I, 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 um, I think I don't know how much more I can really say about this film uh, without being like overly serious because I think like it nah. touched on a lot of fucking intense ass themes that like are it, re it really did. They really fuck. I absolutely fucking teared up hard. When the daughter died, when Shelby died, that that's shit was a, fucking. That's heavy. a real scene. That's a real scene in there. And, and like I, you know, you, you know, everybody has their experiences with death, and that shit hit. And you feel it, and you're like, mm -hmm. you're you're already there in that moment. And uh, well, even I, like the scene where she collapses, it's yeah. like, oh, her haircut's so st like. First, you're thinking, oh, her haircut's so stupid, and then you're like, that kid's just sitting there crying. 
You're like, what if that was my kid? Yeah, the right? shit. It, the yeah. shit's like, super Jesus real. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to me in this movie, the, the juxtaposition of male versus female um, characters. Uh, I think this movie would really benefit from having a female director. Yeah. That would be able to better bring out, I think, some of the performances that these actors are capable of giving. And not saying that the performances they gave weren't good performances. I just think that they're this this play is so rich and that the screenplay is so rich that there's a little bit more that I think these very capable actors could have brought. And I, I blame the directing for that. Um, but you know, when you look at all the male characters in this in this play, they're all they're all clowns. Oh, they're all douchebags. Every single one. Um, you know the even handsome ass Dylan McDermott. Dylan is McDermott a is he's a he's a peacock. Yeah, I mean he serves so little purpose in this, and and with the end of the movie, right? So when as you guys mentioned the scene where you know they take her off life support, and you're just watching the the, the beeps go slower and slower, the dad walked out of the room, the husband walked out of the room, but who was fucking still there? Stoic, you know, solid like she'd been her entire life, mom. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it shows this play really and in time too in the in a very dominated time period in the eighties, which which cinema was very male driven mm-hmm. and, and, and male oriented. You have this movie where the women are a million times stronger and capable than the men are in this entire play. Oh, well, entire oh easy, easy, easy. Even the the least I I have a hard time with the character development for Daryl Hannah. But even then, she is far more developed as a character and as a far stronger character than any of the men in this entire movie. Well, yeah, and it, if you see her, her arc. So yeah. she starts off as like the nerdy girl who doesn't know girl. how to find her way, and then she's like the rebel girl after the time jump, and then she's like the goody two shoes church girl after the next time jump, and then she's like, "Hey, I'm going to dedicate my kid's life." To Shelby's life, she's like becomes a uh, she, she chills the fuck out essentially yeah. by the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you also see how her character from the start of that she meets her husband at the wedding, who's the bartender, and she doesn't even the dude feel from the mummy. Yeah, and she it doesn't even hammy. Yeah, she doesn't even feel confident asking for a free drink at a wedding, right? She's like, I want a cherry coke. And by the way, I don't know how much money the Coca Cola company paid to have Coke all well, over this fucking movie. But it is big time. It's the South. Some, All some money cola there. is Coke. Yeah. I, I looked at her character. I actually really disliked her character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily from the portrayal of the character, but the, just how the character came across in terms of there was no other way this character was going to come No matter who acted, who portrayed the character, no matter who act, what actress it was, it was still going to be the same story. I don't like blank slate people. That came out wrong. I don't dislike blank slate people. I'm, an, I'm irritated by blank slate people. We all know somebody who has no real personality, mm-hmm. and they're so open to like other vices or influences. So she shows up. She's just this timid girl. She spends and lives with, spends a lot of time with Dolly Parton's sassy ass, and boom. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, she's taken bits and pieces of that personality and made it her own. It's not her personality. No. She's just some fucking sponge. She's just she's just she absorbed takes it. One yeah. opportunity to go not go to Vegas or New York or wherever and goes with a church group or something. Boom. Now she's in doctrine to like Jesus. Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. I find and that's the character she was portraying. And I think like that's the whole time going. She's like she's a non existent character. She's not her own person. She's the type of person who would 
get married and just conform themselves to whoever they're married with and find that all of their uh, hobbies are now her hobbies or his hobbies. Those people like that, not, there's nothing wrong with it, but I, I, people like that annoy me. I don't know. Fuck yeah, you be if yourself. you're like that. Be, be a person. Be, have some fucking backbone. No, I get I'm, super irritated know, by that I'm shit. I'm with you. In real life, That when I, when I notice that that's the kind of person it is, I'm like, ah, fuck you. Like, I got my ass kicked. Pick a day of the week, and it was either because uh, of pro wrestling or comic books. Uh, in like the early 90s every day and that fucking earned those stripes you just fucking meld from fucking shit to shit own it even if it's terrible own that shit okay but in in in, in a little defense there I mean don't you take elements from the people around you as a part of your personality I mean you can't sit there and say that like the people at this table that you know I know. I, I'm not going to sit there and say that part of my personality wasn't influenced by being your roommate for five years or that you know, part of my personality didn't maybe come out because I was friends with you. But you still have part you. of your own personality. Well, no, I mean, that's, 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 that's almost no I would say that the, the more the more type uh, person type that I'm describing is the person where if you were one person when you lived with Doc and you picked up all of us, you wore bright hoodies, that uh, crisp hoodies that looked like they were brand new out of the rack every time. Despite you've had them for eight years, they still look like brand new. Like, how the hell do you wash your clothes you, and have them you, not degrade a single you, bit? It's, you it's iron effort. them. It's an effort, right? And, yeah. and listening to Lincoln Park and then when you live with your dog, you're just really into kibble and scratching your own ass and that's like your personality. How did you fucking know that my ass was itchy? I mean, this is... I haven't even... We've like, been out here like, for a while doing this fucking much, right? show. Now, Mac, I will agree with you. I, 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 look, at, you go through your life, all right, and whether you readily acknowledge it or understand it or not, your conscious mind sees what it's looking at. You're focusing on very specific things, 100%. which your subconscious mind is taking in information all the time, yeah. no matter what, right? Everybody at this table, everybody around the world is a mansion with many fucking rooms, of course. But this particular character, in my opinion, was very clearly written as that. Uh, and, and while although, yeah, to Noah's point, you can everybody at this table i've got and have kind of like removed little bits and pieces of your personality and, and it's you know because i respect you all so much yeah. with lots of other people i consider family and all that but i'm still me man like there's shit that i do and i say that no one else does and says this chick and people like her whatever the trend was is what she was that's a hundred and that's that's, 100%. The, that's what i'll see let's yeah. see i'll come back go go ahead, go ahead. no i was yeah. just gonna say i think the first act she's there as a narrative device that's what she is. She's there to as a new person, so that every single one in that bar, in that uh, beauty shop can explain their personalities and backstories to each other, or rather, so that uh, Olympia Dukakis can look over and say, "That's blah blah blah, blah 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 blah," and then someone can walk up to her, "Yo, well, Olympia Dukakis is blah 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 blah." That's why she's there. And to the writer's credit, they didn't just eliminate the character right after the first act and have her. And now that we have all the people we care about, they decided to try to do something interesting with her, and it and it is interesting to a certain she does do something she doesn't just sit in the back of uh, every time someone makes <laughs> yeah. a joke for two hours right but she starts as a narrative device and i think at the very end they're like well what character can we have to put the bow on this thing oh the narrative device girl but i, I see i again you know I, I i go back to looking at, at the at the establishment of the character as being somebody who I, again i must think was controlled 
You know, I think there's an element. No, and she has no personality. But she, I don't. Th- but see, I look at it is that I don't think she was allowed to have one. Well, I mean, when, you, when they start talking about the character and she's talking about, what well, are you married? And she doesn't know how to answer that question because she does have a man, but that man clearly was up to some shit and was doing a lot of stuff. And you can't sit there and say that he wouldn't have been controlling of her and she just didn't know what to do with herself. Mac, we can go in circles and talk about what fucking psychosis and did shit she dealt with as a fucking child that led her to have no personality. The reality is she had no personality. The fact is Dolly Parton herself said, well, she was going to come with me to do this, but she went to this church function. Now she prays every fucking five seconds because she had no people who do that. Not only, and I should be, I should express myself more and I apologize. It's not so much that they just gravitate and pull. They do it in extremes because they don't have anything else going on. They have nothing to hold, to fall back on. They have no foundation in their personality. All they've ever been is what they're being told to be, right? To that is to your point. Yeah. Regardless of the fucking reason why, but that is how she was written. I mean... Yeah, there's no blend in between. It's, then, I'm just going to jump from seat to seat because how, that's the popular thing or that's what... Yes, and to your point and and i thought I, I got a kick out of it at the end there was finally a moment where she made a decision for herself effectively right she made that joke yeah. and like oh you're finally lightening up and they all called her on it too because yeah. She, yeah it wasn't like the thing that she just thought she's kneeling and praying like oh you know jesus that she made a joke it was something that felt more organic for the character as if she's developing gray like shades of gray for herself because up until that point she was black or white she was all in on whatever fucking flavor of the week that she was in. That's the only point I'm making yeah. it in that, that, that I think okay. that that's how I'm she was you. written. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I got to just take a minute and step aside here from Steel Magnolias to say that um, I have to apologize to you, Doc, because clearly um, it's been a while since we've done something that is more serious in subject matter than dick and, and fart and pussy jokes and an occasional reference to Phil Collins being a Nazi or you something know, else like that. Of course, that happens you are, sometimes. You are a man with something to say. And this episode has been largely you, either we intended you to or not, coming out and going, Jesus Christ, Doc made some points and made me make a fucking point. We had to say some serious shit. And that was 100% spot on. I didn't think about that when I was watching Daryl Hannah just him haw her way through this goddamn movie. But by, you're like, fuck yeah. So, oh, thanks. I'll take it. Yeah, I guess I in the end, <laughs> I guess in the end, Noah's meat gave you some sort of clarity. Yeah, in, I mean, you know, I yeah. I thought, I mean, I know, like, I wanted to like tear this movie apart, but there's very little to tear apart. It was a no. It was a fun, interesting, deep, fucking emotional movie. And on the alley rating scale, the arse scale, she gave it a fucking five out of five. She loved wow. the shit. Damn. All right. And her exact it's, words it's were, and I is. quote, "A whirlwind of emotions." That's what mm-hmm, she said. Yeah. She it fucking is. cried. She bawled her eyes out. She laughed. Like, she fucking loved the shit out of this film. And she was like, this is so good. I'm like, it well, yeah, is really good. Yeah, I mean, It's iconic. And now we yeah. know why it's iconic. You mm-hmm. know? No, for sure. Uh, this is this is a, a women, you know, by women. For, this is a movie of women for women by women. You know? Except it's not. It's written and directed by a guy. Well, fucking that's Herbert because that's what Hollywood Ross. was back in the day. God damn him. Herbert. Yeah. Herbert. But he made Footloose. Herbert's making yeah, points all over the place. There's Herbert's making <laughs> points all over the place here. And we hope that you make points all over the place with us here during the show. I promise that for the next time that Noah's Meat is used for movies, that I will at least research to see if they're any good before I put <laughs> yes, them on there. Because call. look at this. Appreciate that. Uh, but we got a lot going on. Guys, we're in a swing of October, which means coming up, we've got soon, we've got some classic 80s Halloween cinema coming up. And we've got 
a Halloween Havoc happening. In yes. Oh, shit. Uh, no, have, have we announced the Halloween movie that we're going to be covering? We have soon? not, and I want to wait. Oh, uh, do you? I, I, want, I, want, I just want to open it up. Can I? Just, just one. Just, just one, do, one just gift to, like, Christmas Eve. Just one. Just, just one. Just one. Just, can, just, can I? Can I just take the bow? Get it. What if I just like do like initials of it and like not no, say, just the, say it? Just say it. Just say it. No matter what. It is. It could be. What if it's, it could be the last temptation of Christ? We're not going to get the hype that we've now established in the middle of this. So, Dave, what movie are we doing here in a few weeks in October? Can I do it as an interpretive dance? I swear to God, if you don't <laughs> fucking do it, I'm end the recording. You know what? You don't get to do it. No. Nothing no. good. <laughs> here we go. The Urban Dictionary defines ass play. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking saw it before you say it. I saw point like, oh, he has something. And I saw ass play. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> take take a second. Get your shit together. I was fine until he reacted before oh, my brain had a chance. Oh to. my god. That was, mm. just, that was wonderful. Okay, here we go. Take two. The Urban Dictionary defines ass play as stimulating someone's anus with any of the following: finger. <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave all this in and put it at the end of the episode. Just so you can see. <laughs> Blooper reel. Um, I like it. Ass play just gets me. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> As it should. <laughs> all right. Let's try it again. <laughs> 